The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was a really good storyteller. He knew how to tell stories about people's real lives, what they experienced and saw and knew every day. He told stories about families, about dinner parties, about baking bread, stories about losing things in your house and getting robbed and taking care of your livestock. And he told a lot of stories about the land, about planting and harvesting, about seeds that grow and those that don't, about weeds and bad weather and every unexpected thing that's ever happened to anyone who has tried to grow something green. Each of those stories had a meaning, or to be honest, many meanings. Stories about families were also about radical love and forgiveness. Stories about being robbed turned into the beauty of being saved by the most unexpected person, a foreigner, no less. Stories about sheep and lost coins and bread turned out to be images of the very life and work of God in the world. And so today's stories about seeds are, of course, not just about seeds. God in the world, says Jesus, is like seeds scattered on the ground. Seed that finds its way into some crack, some little bit of soil, some tiny piece of dirt, and somehow grows. The farmer doesn't know how. The farmer's asleep. But still the seed grows until it's time for the harvest. Then Jesus looks around and finds one of the very smallest seeds, a mustard seed, a tiny speck, which, when put into the ground, grows up and becomes, he says, the greatest of all shrubs. Is that a thing? A great shrub. It's an odd image. But what seems to be great about it is that it provides shelter for birds of the air and shade for those underneath it. Now, what are the meanings of those stories? Well, many times we hear in them the greatness of small things. We should never underestimate what can be found in a seed, in just the start of something, and what can happen when you plant one. Jesus said all kinds of things like that, that the last shall be first, and the meek shall inherit the earth, and that one sheep is worth leaving the whole flock for so you can make sure nobody is lost. 
All of that is contained in the seed of this story. Hidden a little bit deeper for those of us who don't deal with mustard seeds very often is also some humor. Because the truth is that the mustard plant, in addition to being a shrub, is also a nuisance. Honestly, very few people would ever sow mustard seeds on purpose, any more than you or I would stand over our garden with a dandelion and blow the seeds on it. (laughs) The birds are happy about it, but the farmers are not. If Jesus were talking to those of us in the Northwest, he could have said, the kingdom of God is like ivy, which apparently means that the kingdom of God is coming for you and there is nothing that you can do about it. (laughs) Now, you and I could try to pick one of those meanings as the right one, the best one, the only one, but we would lose much of the genius of the story because the beauty of the parables is you can never really do that, can you? How you hear the story is partly dependent on you. So if you are struggling to see good, to see God at work in your life, a story about a tiny seed that is so determined to grow that you don't even have to do anything about it, it grows while you're sleeping, is a word of gospel. If, on the other hand, you are pretty satisfied with your well-tended garden, then the word that the kingdom of God might show up like an invasive weed and take over everything that you have carefully created maybe feels less like the gospel. And yet this is how Jesus taught, with complicated stories that couldn't be distilled down to just one thing. So much of the Bible is like that. And so what the Bible means and how we talk about it matters. It always has and it always will. I'm sure this is a conversation many of you have had this week when the Bible, or at least a few verses of it, came up quite publicly in conversations about immigration in this country, particularly regarding the practice of separating parents from children. Now, wading into the murky waters of conversation that turns political from the pulpit easily makes many of us nervous, even preachers, to be honest. But at the heart of it, politics is just the way we organize our lives. It's how we make our decisions. It's how we set our priorities. It's how we act together in real life. And the church has always been a place where we can talk about how our faith impacts our real lives in the same way Jesus told stories about real things that people experienced every day. He got in trouble for it. But he was unafraid to remind us that the kingdom of God is not something or place far away, another time, another day, another world. But this one, this place, this time. The kingdom of God is as close as your hand, he would say. As close as seeds in the earth as close as weeds in your garden, as close as a father welcoming home his prodigal son. Regardless of our disagreements, which we will have, or differences on important questions about very complex issues like immigration, we can, together as people of faith and people of the Bible, we can say some things 
about the breadth of the biblical witness on how we treat our neighbors and especially how we treat strangers and foreigners among us. One of the most central commands God gives the people of Israel woven throughout the pages of the Old Testament more times than I can count is to care for the widow, the orphan, and what the Bible calls the resident alien, or what we might call an undocumented immigrant. God gives two reasons for this. One, because God is God, and this is what God wants. I am the Lord your God. And second, because God says to God's own people, you know what it is like not to belong. You know what it was like to be exiled in the land of Egypt. You know what it is like to be different, to speak a language no one else speaks, to have someone look at you sideways because your food or your culture or your religion is different from theirs. You were that. And so you must remember it in your action. You shall treat the stranger as a native, and you shall love them as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That happens to be a verse from Leviticus. But the Old Testament echoes with that same sentiment over and over again. We can also say that the Bible is full of stories of people who disobey unjust laws. So at least two midwives of Egypt refused to follow Pharaoh's orders that they should kill all the male Hebrew babies. And it was the disobedience of those two women, along with the disobedience of Pharaoh's daughter herself, that brought Moses safely into the world. Jesus flipped over tables in the temple because sometimes disruption is the way of the kingdom, just like that pesky mustard seed taking over your garden. And while, yes, Paul encouraged early Christians to cooperate with laws that made life good for everyone, Paul also wrote many of his letters from prison where he ended up because he didn't disobey. He didn't obey laws he thought were unjust. And he sacrificed his freedom and eventually his life. It is possible for us, as people of faith, to recognize the complexities of fixing a very complicated problem, a very broken system, to acknowledge that we are not all going to agree on the best way to do that, and yet to be willing to listen to each other, to learn from each other, and to move forward together. And it is more than possible. It is our duty and our delight. It is our command and our joy to insist on love for all and to resist ways of violence and oppression. For it is our call to remember in our words and actions that it was our ancestors who were slaves in the land of Egypt who fled oppression and whom God saved and set free. It's our job to say together that we don't agree on everything, but what we do know is this, that the Bible's whole, wide, generous witness 
is to love and justice and mercy for every human being and for the whole of creation. So we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when that is not happening, when we all fail at that as we do, then the Bible does not tell us to be silent, but to speak up and act, to be bold and courageous and clear and compassionate. Talking about these big, messy problems has always been hard for churches. It's always been hard for humans. But God calls us to do hard things. Hard things like speak out when the Bible is misused. Hard things like acknowledge when we have done that ourselves. Hard things like refuse to give up hope that broken things can be healed that fractured things can be mended. Hard things like remember and trust and believe that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And it is our work and call to bend that arc to the kingdom and justice of God. Hard things like believe that even though it is dark, the seed is still growing. Hard things that tr like trust that the kingdom of God is more determined than the weeds in your garden and its roots go even deeper. Hard things like know and believe that there is no such thing as someone else's children, for we all belong to each other in the body of Christ. We can do these hard and beautiful things like tell with our lives the kind of stories Jesus told. Stories of love and justice and hope that does not end, that comes after you like ivy, that refuses to let you go, and which we are called to plant every day in this world. May God grant us the good courage we need to be those kind of farmers and to do what matters. Amen.